Hey, what's up? You're listening to Salty Saints Podcast, and uh, I'm Zach. I'm sitting here with Randy. What's up, Randy? I'm uh, I'm doing good today. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know. I had to think about it, but yeah, I'm doing okay. <laughs> you didn't seem so sure for a second. Um, for a second, I wasn't. <laughs> that's fair. Um, we have a pretty cool episode today. We are going to address a question sent to us from Denise, and uh, it's a cool question. I, I've enjoyed reading on it. It is about the angel of the Lord. You know, we've spent about a week researching this, off and on, yeah, not, yeah, not a full no. week of research. No, we know way more. Talking about know. it and and uh, looking at it. But here's what she actually says. You talked a little bit about whether Jesus was flesh before his birth in the Who is Jesus podcast. Well, I've wondered about that as well. I think he was, uh, because in Genesis, he says, when man was made in his image, could that be Jesus in the flesh and we're made in Jesus' image? Also, I know I've heard Zach talk about the angel of the Lord being Jesus. I seem to vaguely remember somewhere that, yes, sometimes that is Jesus and sometimes it's Michael. It seems like I remember being able to tell the difference based on capitalization of the A in angel of the Lord. Am I dreaming that or is it accurate? Uh, let, let, let me hit that uh, first question. Uh, when God says, let us make man in our image, uh, is he talking about Jesus? Uh, yes and no. He's not talking about Jesus in the flesh, that we are made in the flesh, uh, in, in the image that Jesus happened to have. Uh, he's talking more about the relationship that the Trinity has among itself. Uh, he made man a communal being, right. just like God is a communal communal being. I think it can be argued, too, that he's not necessarily talking to the other persons of the Trinity so much as he is referring to the heavenly host as a whole. Um, either or, it still stands, they live in relation with one another. And then, of course, the traditional interpretation there is that they let us make man in our image is the regal we. You kind of think of the uh, Queen of England saying, we are not amused. <laughs> that one just seems inconsistent, though, with the way the rest of the, the God speaks throughout the rest of Scripture. Well, definitely with the Queen of England uh, uh, reference there. But uh, there are references to kings uh, speaking in the plural when they talk about themselves. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That one... I, I guess to me that part doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, it, yeah, like yeah. it kind of does, but like the the point remains consistent. And we kind of look at this question, and we thought, okay, the first part of it we can really answer pretty quickly and and move on. But as we got involved in doing all this research on the phrase "angel of the Lord," wow. Well, even before we move on to that. I kind of want to give my two cents on just the um, was Jesus flesh before he was incarnated. Um, right, right. I, I don't. I I know talking to Randy here, Randy tended to lean towards yeah, possibly. I tend to lean more towards no. 
and explain why, Zach, because what you had to say makes a lot of sense. So my, my well, why don't, why don't you go? Why don't you go with yes first? Let's let's well, start with the the. More there positive. are a couple of places <laughs> of uh, specific references to the angel of the Lord. Uh, Joshua sees uh, the commander of uh, the Lord of Hosts. It's actually not the angel of the Lord, but he sees the commander of the Lord of Hosts, and he says. Who are you? Are you friend or are you foe? And he answers, I'm neither. I'm the commander of the Lord of hosts. What Joshua saw was in bodily enough form that he thought it was a person. Right. So I guess I've always just assumed, not thinking about it theologically, but thinking about it uh, from a, a more pragmatic approach, what Joshua saw was an individual. Right. And so he says, hey, guy, hey, mister, uh, who are you? Right. So really it's just based on that. And there are a few other cases where, again, when there is a theophany, when when God appears, uh, he does appear in the form of a man. Um we can dig so deep on this. I just keep thinking in my head like other little uh, – so my my take on it is um, I tend to think no. Um, and then I, after I explain this, I'm going to say why I could think yes, I guess. But um, the reason I tend to think no, Jesus was not in physical flesh beforehand is because that is the importance of the incarnation in itself is that God – became flesh, right? Um, the argument would be what Randy was saying about the angel or the commander of the Lord's army appearing as flesh. Uh, but I would also point out that angels appear as men often throughout scripture. Which but, is also true. Right. But we know that they are angels, that they are spiritual beings. And so did they become flesh too? Is what Jesus did in the incarnation really not all that important that a spiritual being became flesh or are they just appearing as men? And so that's where I would tend to lean. Now, if you want to make the argument for why it's totally possible that Jesus was flesh beforehand, God is the same today as he has been in all eternity. And the fact that God exists outside of time once you start getting into the whole like God existing out of time thing, you can do anything. I mean, he can literally. <laughs> I mean, there are no rules at that point. True. Um, true so true. yeah, I mean, he and could, ultimately, God is God. Yeah, yeah. He is the rule maker. So, <laughs> so like I, I would lean no, but I totally like I'm not dying on this hill. Like I don't care. And I tell you what, <laughs> I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate the idea that this. Uh, that kind of an approach, saying that God existed in flesh before the incarnation, does in some way lessen the impact of the incarnation. That is when God, like John says, made his tabernacle among us right. and dwelt with us. He became flesh. It right. wasn't necessarily that he always was flesh and then just poof appeared to us. But that was the episode, or that was the the uh, time that he became flesh. Right. Which, 
if we're talking about the existing outside of time and space thing, you could say because it happened in that one moment, he is experiencing it for all time and eternity. Like it's that you get into some sci-fi stuff with that. You know? Okay, Zach, are you flipping on me now? Now that I'm saying, I think I might agree with you. You're saying, no, no, no. I, I think I agree with you. I disagree I, with you now. We, yes. <laughs> all, all the things that have been stated to this point. It, yeah. I understand all the arguments for all of it. And I totally, uh, we, we're just people and we have finite brains. That's yeah, really what that's this boils true. down to. That's true. We we can we can make the best guesses we can, but I think that's it. Let's move on to the idea that the capitalization of the angel of the Lord might be a clue for us to know when this is referring to God and mm-hmm. when it's not. No. Uh simply because in Hebrew there is no capitalization. There's no uh uh, large letters and small letters. Right. It, it is all just letters. Uh, this this isn't something I knew a lot about. Um, so talking with Randy about this beforehand, kind of summing up what we were going to talk about, um, I'd asked about, well, what about the fact that in Scripture, in our English translations, we see like uh, capital G God and little g God where, you know, it's both Elohim, but one of those is in reference to Yahweh. Right. One of those is in reference to all the other spiritual beings. And the reality is there is no indication in the original text that this is referring to the capital G God or the little g God. It is just the word Elohim. And we use the context. Translators, in essence, interpret. Okay. So they are the first level of uh, uh, interpreting a particular text. That's why when someone who wants to really get into depth in studying Scripture, there's really no substitute for studying original languages because that's where you begin to understand that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Well, Zach, the first thing that I did is I got my old friend Bible Gateway and... uh, up at the top in the uh, uh, in the search engine, you can type in not only like Judges twenty two one, and Judges twenty two one pops up. You can also type in a phrase. So I typed in "Angel of the Lord," and what I got was like a thousand different verses. And I thought, wait a minute here. Then I realized that if you just type in "Angel of the Lord." Bible Gateway will give you all occurrences, every verse in In which the word angel and the word of and the word the and the word Lord occurs. But it doesn't necessarily say angel of the Lord. It's uh, so uh, the Lord sent his angel of mercy and oh, you got angel, you got of, you got the end of the Lord. So I looked at that and said, oh, yeah. If you put quotations around Angel of the Lord, then it will search exclusively for that phrase. Oh, that's cool. And there are only 49 times that the phrase Angel of the Lord occurs in the Old Testament. Now, what we did find, though, is there are occurrences of references to the Angel of the Lord outside of that that were not included in that list. That is accurate. We found one of those on accident, but 
there could be more. Right. Right. We also, after the fact, we went back in and we added in angel of God. Yeah. Because that is another phrase that we thought also might refer. So I've got here a list. Actually, the 49 times includes both angel of the Lord and angel of God. And they only refer to 14 distinct appearances. And I don't think all of them are theophanies. They are not all appearances of God. Okay. Shall we work through all 14? Let's just, do it. Just kind of quickly here. So in Genesis chapter 16 and verses 7 and 9, what you what you have going on is Abraham has been told that he will be the father of a great nation. But he's got a problem. His wife is 80 years old. And according to the biblical text, it has ceased. The way of the woman has ceased to her. So you can figure out what it's saying. (laughs) And Abraham's saying, how in the world am I going to be the father of a great nation? So Sarah says, well, let's give God a little hand. Here is my servant, Hagar. You take her, sleep with her, and then... The son that's born to her, I will take and raise as mine. So Abraham says, okay. And um, Hagar gets pregnant. Once she gets pregnant, Sarah has second thoughts and starts abusing her, starts mistreating her. And eventually, Hagar runs. Mm-hmm. So in verses 7 to nine, Hagar is in the middle of the desert. Now, don't think sand and cactus, but do think barren places, rocky hills, probably a lot of dirt and sand around, but not much water. Right. And she's afraid she's going to die. Genesis sixteen seven, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. And he says, look at your side, and and there is a spring of water in the wilderness. And after she drinks, the angel of the Lord says, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Okay, so she does. Now, the question is, is that angel of the Lord God? Or is it an angel that the Lord sent? Well, I'm kind of drawing a hard line here, unless there is something in the passage that would indicate that this is God. And we'll come to that in a couple of moments here. Um, I don't think we should call it the theophany. I think this is an angel that God sent. Okay. Michael Gideon, who knows, might have been Clarence from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, but uh, God sent an angel to speak to Hagar. That's the first time it happens. The second time, it's angel of God, and it's just a couple of chapters later. Ishmael, Hagar's Hagar's son, has now been born. He's 12 years old, but Sarah has become pregnant, and she's given birth to a son, Isaac. And once she gives birth to a son, Guess what happens? She starts abusing and mistreating Hagar again. Right. 
And again, Hagar runs away. Now, the reason she's running away is she's going back to daddy's house. And daddy was part of uh, the the Aramaeans, just a generic term for other descendants that lived in the area, nomadic tribes. Um, Hagar actually lays Ishmael down to die. And she goes and hides behind a rock because she's convinced that Ishmael will die before she does, and she doesn't want to see his death. So Genesis chapter 21, verse 17, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there and takes her to another spring of water, which this time she calls God sees. Okay, so is the angel of God God here, or is it someone that God sends? Drawing that hard line, there's nothing here to indicate that it would be a theophany. It would be a, an appearance of God. Is there, is there not a section with Hagar, though, where she refers to the angel of the Lord as God? Well, let's look it up here. I just thought I remembered that uh, in a particular Bible project uh, reference. So we're looking at Genesis chapter 21. Let me see if I can... This time the angel of God doesn't say go back home. Instead, she goes on and Ishmael uh, uh, becomes a large nation himself. And, uh, uh, of course, the father of the Ishmaelites. Maybe what the Bible Project is referring to is the fact that uh, Hagar calls the spring of water. It's actually in Genesis 16, verse 14, the well of the living one who sees me. So here's, here's, I found, I found that okay. uh, transcript from that video. Um, said, so uh, the narrative tells us the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. The figure speaks to Hagar. Uh, but then something strange happens, and the angel of the Lord said to her, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too many to count. Yahweh is the one who typically issues this kind of blessing. Right. Uh, who does this angel think he is? Keep going. And the angel of the Lord speaks about Yahweh as a separate person, saying, Yahweh has heard your affliction. Um, so at best, we think this angel is speaking on behalf of Yahweh. That is, until the narrator tells us it was Yahweh who spoke to her. And Hagar calls this angel God. Then she gave the name of Yahweh who spoke to her, uh, you are God of seeing. For she said, truly now, uh, how, truly how have I seen the one who sees me? Oh, I see what it is. Yeah, that's verse 13. Uh, yeah, 613. Yeah. Very well could be. It's muddy, isn't it? It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the, that's the. The tricky part, and something I think we wanted to talk about here is that um, a lot of this kind of points to second person of the Trinity language. It really does, and some of the stuff that's going to come up pretty quickly uh, really 
points to it. The third time the angel of the Lord appears is when God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Mm -hmm. And they're on the top of the mountain, and uh, the angel of the Lord calls to him and says, Abraham, don't sacrifice him. There's There's a ram caught in the thicket behind you. Sacrifice that instead. I don't know. What do you think? Is that God or is that who? Who more fitting than uh, pre-incarnate Jesus to say, "Don't, don't do that." I got that one covered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's really what's happening there. I'll, I'll provide that sacrifice for you. You don't have to do that. Fourth time it happens, uh, Genesis chapter thirty-one. Uh, Jacob is now going to Laban's house where he's going to look for a wife. And on his way there, he has an angel. He has a dream. Uh, Genesis thirty-one eleven. In the dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob. And I replied, yes, here I am. And they go on and they carry on a conversation. Now, what the angel says to Jacob is what you would expect God to be saying. He's giving him direction. Um, interesting. Interesting. Um, some of, some of this is kind of muddy though, too. Um, well, we'll get, we'll get to that a bit. Go on. (laughs) It's going to come up later. Fifth time is the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter three, verse two, where Moses sees a bush that burns, but it's not consumed. So he goes up to it and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And then in verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Right. So the angel of the Lord appears in the bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. And when Moses draws close, God speaks to him. Now, this appears to me to be, this is God. Right. Angel of the Lord here is a reference for whatever reason the author had. He calls it the appearance of God, angel of the Lord, and then after that, he calls him Elohim, right? God could also be argued that this is two persons of the Trinity present here. It could also be argued that. Right. Now the sixth time, it gets really kind of uh, interesting. Exodus chapter fourteen, where now Israel is leaving Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh has said, "Get out of here." And then Pharaoh has second thoughts and chases them to kill them all. And in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19, the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. Then the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind him. Now, I'll be honest with you, Zach, the first time I saw that, the angel of God moved to the back of the camp. I thought, okay, so the pillar of 
pillar of fire, the column of smoke, moved. But uh-uh. It's in front of them. That, yeah, it's still in front. So and again, then it moves as well. So here again, you see another possible two persons of the Trinity. Either you're saying this is like uh, Michael. That could moves. be two. That could be two. <clears throat> or two expressions of God, two persons of God. And the reason I keep bringing these up is at some point there there are a few times when I think it is so on the nose that it is two persons of God, um, which is why I think it's kind of interesting we should question this language in the Old Testament. I think you're absolutely right, Zach. Um the, the the traditional way that people kind of look at the Trinity in the Old Testament is to find a verse here and a verse there, and I think that's the wrong approach. You don't have to look for a verse here that might say what you really want it to say. Uh, all you need to do is look at places where God appears and realize that sometimes there are multiple expressions of God there. Even the God who is one. Right. In the Old Testament is community. Well, since you just said that, um, one of, one of the, the, the verse I was talking about earlier, how it was a reference to the angel of the Lord, but it doesn't actually use the phrase the angel of the Lord, uh, is Exodus 23, 20 through 22, um, in which God basically says – do you have that verse pulled up? I do. Um I can paraphrase it, but it's not going to be nearly as good. I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place that I've prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Don't rebel against him, for he is my representative, and he will not forgive your rebellion. But if you are careful to obey him, following all my instructions, then I'll be an enemy to your enemies I'll oppose those who oppose you, for my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, and on and on. I will destroy them completely. You must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. So if you notice, this angel has the ability to deny forgiveness. And that's a thing that historically only God had the ability to do. Um, And so now all of a sudden there's an angel present with that same ability. The other thing is there are angels uh, in which God says that his name dwells. Um, or oh, sorry, an angel in which God says his name dwells. Uh, let's see here. Where is this? Da, da, da. I can't find it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it here in a bit. But um, the, the concept of the name of God, though, the name, what is it, Hashem, you said? Hashem. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the name. But – Throughout much of Scripture, the name of God is personified. Like his oh, actual yeah. name is like him. Like it's more than just like 
It'd, it'd be like if I said yes, and then the name Randy walked into the room. Right, and right. it's well, like, wait, what? <laughs> there are passages that talk about God saying, "I will cause my name to dwell among you." Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And that, but what I'm saying is that he, when he says, "My name is in that angel," he's saying, "I am in that angel." Like mm-hmm. that angel is me. And that's really important for Trinity language. I'll try and find the okay, verse in okay. which that is. But Let go me go ahead. on to the seventh, uh, the seventh place that this occurs, and it occurs quite a bit, is in Numbers 22 to 24. And that's the story when Israel is marching to Palestine, and um, Balak, the king of Edom, I think, no, the king of Moab, calls Balaam uh, a prophet, a priest of false gods, and says, curse this people of Israel. Balaam goes to curse and instead blesses. Well, as Balaam goes, what happens the first time that he goes out is his donkey. Uh, They're in a tight, spot sort of a an enclosed pass and his donkey leans over to the side and it crushes his leg you know it 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 hurt uh it didn't injure him but uh it hurt so he beats his donkey so he gets on the donkey again and again the donkey leans over to the side crushes his leg so he beats the donkey Finally, the donkey turns around and speaks to him. This is only the second time and the last time in Scripture that an animal speaks. First time was Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, the snake. And the donkey says, haven't I been a good donkey? (laughs) He says, well, yeah. And uh, the donkey said, I was just trying to protect your life. And then the Lord opens up Balaam's eyes. And... Nine times there is a reference to the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn. And the donkey basically says, he would have killed you if I would have walked ahead. I would have been okay, but I was trying to protect you. (laughs) Angel of the Lord. Here again, there is nothing there necessarily to say that this is an appearance of God. This may have been just an just an angel. This may have been an angel who appears invisible to Balaam until God opens his eyes. Mm-hmm. But it's an angel of the Lord. And something else to point out about what you just said. He stands with his sword drawn. That is a common phrase that we see associated with the angel of the Lord. It happens quite a bit. And it's also the phrase... That happens with the commander of the Lord's army. Uh, Yahweh stands, Sabaoth. He right. stands with his sword drawn. Right. Yeah. The eighth time the angel of the Lord appears comes in the book of Judges, and that's at the very beginning when Israel begins to worship other gods. The angel of the Lord comes up. There's not even a prophet God can send, there's nobody. So the angel of the Lord comes up and says, You have broken my covenant. And at the end of that whole paragraph, the people cry, and they call the place where the angel stood the weeping, Hmm. which, you know, I think that's fantastic. 
Here's their corporate memory. They remember what God said, but it didn't make any difference. (laughs) They kept following other gods. In Judges chapter 5, this doesn't really count, but Deborah refers to the angel of the Lord when she says, uh, let the people of Meraz be cursed, said the angel of the Lord, let them be utterly cursed. This occurs in poetry. Um, It's not necessarily referencing an appearance. But the next time, the ninth time, does again happen in the book of Judges with Gideon. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon by the great tree at Ophrah where he's hiding in the wine press threshing wheat uh, several times there. And this time Gideon says, let me bring an offering. And the angel of the Lord allows Gideon to make an offering to him. Uh, y- yes. And the other thing about the encounter is Gideon doesn't seem to understand that it's an angel at first. Right. He almost reacts sort of like the other time, like like with the commander of the Lord's army. He thinks it's a person. Right. Yeah. Right. And, or, sorry, uh, when you men- mentioned Deborah, the thing that was interesting to me about that is that tells me that people were talking about the angel of the Lord. Like it's yeah. something people knew about That's and right. referenced. The tenth time happens in the story of Samson. I don't know if you're going to talk about that this weekend, but um, the angel of the Lord appears to Samson's parents and says, you're going to be pregnant and take care of how you raise your son. And again, they bring an offering to the angel of the Lord. And this time, we don't know Samson's mommy's name, but his daddy's name is Manoah. And this time, when the angel of the Lord lets them offer the offering to him, he reaches down, touches the offering, poof, it goes up in flames. The angel jumps in the flames. He also ascends to heaven. Manoah says, we're going to die because we've seen God. Mm. It is super clear. This was God. And his wife, we don't know her name, but she was one smart chick. She said, why would he kill us if he wants me to be pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) And Manoah says, you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> that that language, uh, the whole we're, we're going to die, we've just seen God, that sounds just like uh, Isaiah standing in the presence of God. It, yeah. yeah, that's the same interaction. In the book of Samuel, um, several times we have people who approach the king and they said, you're like an angel of God. Okay. And it's not talking about an angel of God. It's right. just... Yeah. You know, oh, great king. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah, it's not even an angel. It's so, just saying, you know, dude, you're awesome. <laughs> so, so I mean, I guess there could be a maybe like a, a case made for the angel of the Lord versus an angel of the Lord. You know? Absolutely. And in each one of these cases, it definitely is an angel, although it says an angel of God. But the next time the appearance of the angel of the Lord occurs, the 11th time now, 
is at the very end of Second Samuel when David has made a census. And I don't know, it's kind of confusing to me what exactly is going on there. But as soon as he does it, he's sorry. And God comes to him and says, okay, this was stupid. I'm going to punish you. You get to decide, do you want to take three years of being beaten in battle? Do you want to take three months of illness or three days in which I come down and I start killing people? And David says, if we're going to suffer, let's suffer at the hand of God. You might have mercy. Indeed he does. But what 2 Samuel 24, 6 says is, as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, stop, it's enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruana, the Jebusite. Now this is quoted later on in First Chronicles. And the interesting thing that you were reading to me earlier is that the destroying angel is the very same word used in the book of Exodus mm-hmm. to talk about the angel that came to kill the firstborn of the Egyptians. Right. Now, we were also talking about how that, that could be argued that maybe it was, maybe it wasn't the angel of the Lord. Maybe, maybe, or sorry. The, maybe whether it was or, not or that, wasn't a theophany. A theophany, that, that it was actually God himself. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the angel or the angel in Egypt that killed the firstborn. There is language surrounding that later, uh, like in Psalms. I think it was in Psalms. Uh, I may be wrong on that. Stating that it was that it was, God yeah. was the one that killed the firstborn. That God was the one that did this. But something we see often in Scripture is we'll see that uh, say it, uh, another nation invades Israel or something. And they destroy Israel. But then later it'll be said that, oh, yeah, God was the one that did that. So that's kind of a weak argument to turn around and say, oh, just because it said God did it. I mean, God God decides everything that happens. God is – God plays a hand in everything. So Right, right, that, that's right. A, that's a hard sell for me. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Now, next time, 12th time, First Kings, we have the prophet Elijah who um, – He's, it's, it's been an interesting two chapters for the prophet Elijah. Uh, he confronts, he alone confronts the prophets of Baal. 350 prophets of Baal. And like, like a boss, might I add. Like a boss. <laughs> he says, um, we're going to have a little contest here, boys. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of scripture. He says, um, we're each going to offer a sacrifice. You offer yours to Baal. I'll offer mine to God. Now, what is Baal the God of? Well, he's the Baal of lightning. Okay, so let's ask for the real God to send fire from heaven and lightning bolts. We'll go on to Baal's home court. Right. (laughs) You get to choose first. So you pick which one of these two cows you want. So they pick it. You get to go first. So they go first. And after several hours, day isn't done yet, but 
they've been <laughs> Elijah is just so funny in this thing. Maybe he's asleep. You should shout louder. <laughs> maybe is he using the bathroom? Isn't that? Yeah, what maybe he's yeah. using the bathroom. Yeah. You know, yeah. just he just rags on him. Well, finally, nothing happens, and he says, "Okay, okay, okay, get rid of that stuff." He puts up a little altar. He puts his cow on the altar. He looks at the people of Israel and he says, you got water? Yeah. <laughs> and they say, yeah. But we're at the end of three and a half years of drought, so they didn't have much. He said, well, pour a barrel of water on the, altar, on the, on the offering. Okay. Do it again. Okay. Then he digs a ditch around it. Do it again. <laughs> so it fills up with water. Yeah. And when he's done, he just looks up at heaven and says, Okay, Lord, it's your turn. <laughs> and fire comes out of heaven. It eats up the sacrifice. It burns up the rocks. It, de- it, it, it evaporates all of the water. Right. And it leaves a crater in the ground. Now, Elijah in chapter 19 Here's Jezebel say, I'm going to make him like one of those 350 prophets of Baal. The guy's, he's worn out. He's been through it. And he really gets frightened. So he runs. He runs and he runs and he runs. And he stops in a cave and he hides there. The Lord speaks to him and says, sleep. So he sleeps. When he wakes up, there's food there. The Lord says, get up and eat. So he does. Sleep some more. So he does. Get up and eat again. Then in verse 7, the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. The journey ahead of you will be too much for you. Angel of the Lord. All passage long, God has been talking to him. But now he's called the angel of the Lord. Hmm. There, I think he got a theophany. Yeah. Okay. That one's cool. That's such a good story. That's oh, just... I love that story. <laughs> That's such a good one. Um, a couple of chapters later. Second Kings, now chapter 1. Uh, this, number 13. Uh, the angel of the Lord comes directly to Elisha. Uh, excuse me, Elijah. 2 Kings 1, 3. Angel of the Lord told Elijah, who's from Tishba, go and confront the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is there no God in Israel? Why are you going to Zal-Bebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether the king will recover? Do you know what Zal-Beelzebub? That's oh. where the New Testament Baal Zebub. You know what it means? Um, Lord of poop. That's it, exactly. Nice. Now, that is not what they called their God. (laughs) It's one letter off. So um, when God says to Elijah, or when Elijah says to the kings of Samaria, instead of, why are you going to the God of Zebub? It's, why are you going to the God of poop? 
Why are you going to the poop god? Well, you hear it today as the Lord of the Flies. <laughs> right. But that's just because flies like poop. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they were accumulating on it. Um, again, nothing here definitely to say this is God, although you hear God's voice in the voice of this angel. And then the final time, 14th time, 2 Kings 19.35, that actually reflects uh, the book of Isaiah. Um, When the Assyrian army is camped outside of Jerusalem, it is the angel of the Lord that went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. So, uh, now, there are a lot more occurrences in Chronicles, in Psalms, Isaiah, Zechariah. Those occurrences are either just references to the angel of the Lord, not necessarily saying that there is an appearance that takes place here, but saying the angel of the Lord says, or the angel of the Lord does this. The book of Psalms, uh, it occurs in a lot of historical psalms. The angel of the Lord pursued them. The angel of the Lord did this, that, or the other. That's where what you were saying before, uh, the angel of the Lord, uh, the destroying angel, killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. Oh, in that verse, I did find that verse earlier. It it was literally the Exodus uh, 23, 20 through 22. It's oh, in okay. there. Okay. You read it. I just didn't yeah. hear you say it. Okay. Um, but talking about, uh, he says, uh, for he will not uh, pardon your transgression for my name is in him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. So uh, did we, did we want to mention any other references that you printed off? Well, you know, we looked up the Lord of Heaven because that looked like it was kind of promising. Uh, didn't really find anything. At least, no, no, that's <laughs> that's not what I want to say. Uh, there are no theophanies. And a theophany is when God when breaks God through. When God appears, when God breaks through. There are no theophanies in which the appearance of God is called the Lord of Heaven. Now, the Lord of Heaven occurs a lot, 253 times interesting thing is that in the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, the little short, tiny book of Haggai, and Zechariah, which is not that much longer than Haggai, account for 77% of all of the occurrences. Now, it's all over the place. Uh, Hmm. Isaiah is uh, 8th century prophet. Jeremiah is a 6th century prophet. Oh, so it's not like a time it's frame specific. It's not like a time thing. Haggai and Zechariah are post-exilic. They're 4th century prophets. That's weird. So it spans a 200-year time it's period. It's like a prophet-specific phrase, though. <laughs> 80% of the times that Lord of Heaven occurs, it's in prophetic books. That's interesting. Yeah. Nine other prophets uh, use... Uh, um, yeah, use yeah, Lord of the terms, Heavens. Right, right, right. And then the rest of them are, are you know, like Psalms and right. uh, just a, a mention here or there. Okay. But really no theophanies. What, what it boils down to and why this is important is 
we can look at the Old Testament. We don't have to go to the Old Testament saying, how can I impose Jesus right. on the Old Testament? He's there. He's there. Right. He's there. And and not all of the things that we just read were instances of him being there. No. But no. a lot of them were. But a lot of them were. Right. Exactly. Um, another, sorry, the last one I, I wanted to talk about too, where I do think it is a theophany, is the Prince of Hosts. Oh, yeah, 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 or, yeah, yeah. Or the Prince of Princes. And that's in Daniel. Um, basically. Is it exclusively in Daniel? I believe the Prince of okay. Hosts is exclusively Daniel, yeah. Um, it's, it's when the, the man, oh, how's he described? <laughs> the son of man? Well, no, I mean, like, it's like a, a very in-depth description, like, uh, you know, legs of brass and eyes like Oh, yeah, yeah, the ancient know. of ages. Yeah, um, but basically he comes to Daniel and, and he's telling him, you know, like, uh, you know, sorry, sorry, it took me a minute to get here. I was, you know, busy. Saving the world. (laughs) I mean, basically, I'm fighting against all these other, you know, evil spirits, uh, spirit princes of, you know, Persia or whatever, you know, whatever countries he mentions. Um, But there is argument as to whether or not the figure in Daniel um, referred to as the prince of, uh, of the host or prince of princes is the second figure of the Trinity or if he's God at all. Okay. Before you get into that, let me just read here in Daniel 7 from nine verses 9 and 10. Okay. And think about the description of Jesus, who is very definitely Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Right. I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient one, the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. A river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began accession and the books were opened. Right. And this is almost word for word in parts of it. From Revelation chapter 1. I was trying to be quick and pull it up as fast as I could, but you're going to beat me to it. (laughs) I might, I might, I might. Yeah. Here we go. So in Revelation chapter 1. When I turned to see, this is verse 12. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. Standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And that's a common phrase that Daniel used to refer to Jesus. And it's a common phrase that Jesus uses to refer to Jesus. And it's not cultural. Uh, You don't see the Son of Man terminology uh, outside of Jesus' mouth. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash. His head and his hair were white Mm -hmm. like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace and he goes on but you see that the the whiteness and the fire right i mean going back to daniel it's it's there yeah i lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold yeah 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 so you get this image of jesus in daniel now 
the Prince of Hosts. So uh, I'll just read a, a part here. Uh, Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good, co- of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? But uh, Sorry, I got lost here. Do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Okay, so he's mentioning Michael here. There's another point when the same figure mentions Gabriel. This is the voice that tells Gabriel to, uh, how does it word it, Uh, tells him to let him see I'm trying to find it. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, yeah, Gabriel's commanded to speak to Daniel by the voice of another man emanating from between the banks of the Uli River where Daniel had been when overcome by the vision. The, so, so this unseen man is superior to, to Gabriel and he's superior to Michael, okay? Um, he's speaking about Gabriel and Michael in the third person. These are other from this character. And this this character is is here to save Daniel, and he is the the commander of of heaven, basically. It's it's a really cool encounter. Um and it seems different from a lot like it, it seems more like the commander of the Lord's army, um, than a lot of the, the instances yeah. when yeah. talking about the angel of the Lord, because this one's really personal. Like he's directly speaking to Daniel. Very cool little bit of scripture, but I think it's another theophany. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, yeah, I mean, it's like Randy said. I mean, Jesus is all over the Old Testament, um, whether or not he was flesh. <laughs> I don't know. You but, know, that one's up for grabs. But he sure looked like it, regardless. <laughs> he did. He did. Because everybody, everybody thought that he was a man. That's right. Um, yeah. So, uh, Denise, I hope we answered any of your questions. Um, if you guys have any more questions for us, please shoot them to us because we like digging deep in this, you know, kind of. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It's random. I like it. Um yeah, thanks for listening to Salty Saints Podcast, guys. Make sure uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts that you give us a rating and a comment or whatever. And uh, to follow us on anything else you might be listening, subscribe to us, whatever. Uh, if you've got questions, send them to saints at becomehope.com. And remember to stay salty. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.